Welcome to the sermon podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's Word. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Welcome to Come to the Table here at Canton Church. We are so excited that you've decided to spend your Good Friday with us. You'll notice on your table there are some elements. If you will just let those be just for a few moments. Throughout the evening tonight, you'll receive special instruction on exactly what to do with those. Now, let's take a moment and let's journey back about 2,000 years ago to the city of Jerusalem. It had been an exhilarating few days leading up to Passover. The rumor mill was cranked to the max as stories of this young carpenter from Galilee had spread like wildfire throughout the city. You are in your home and you sit down for a mid-afternoon snack of dried apricots and pistachios and you just, you take an inventory of everything that had happened over the past three days. Sure, Passover, it's one of the craziest times of the year, but it doesn't happen all the time that somebody comes riding into the city triumphantly on a colt surrounded by thousands of people and they're singing, they're happy, they're praising and they're saying something. What is it? Oh, you have it. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the Pharisees were so ticked when they heard that. And you have to admit, it made you a little giddy to see them so mad. Then there was the time Jesus went into the temple and he turned over the tables of all the money changers and all the merchants. But besides these two events, Jesus had been teaching peacefully in the temple. You hear that it's actually quite good. You may even go hear what he has to say tomorrow. Some people are saying that he's the Messiah, the Son of God while others are saying he's just a ragtag prophet from this dusty desert province and all he's worried about is gaining political power. But you're not sure. All you know is that your break is about over. There's a lot to do because you have to celebrate Passover with your family tonight. You'll worry about Jesus tomorrow. And while you and all of Jerusalem are deciding exactly what to do with this Jesus fellow. Jesus knows exactly what needs to be done. See, earlier that morning, he had sent Peter and John to go get a room for he and his 12 disciples could take the Passover meal together. Jesus, he wanted it to be perfect because this was the last time that this group of misfits would be together. And as the day goes on, afternoon turns into evening, and the sun begins to set behind the mountains right outside of Jerusalem. Peter and John come back to Jesus, and they say, Master, it's ready. Then the whole bunch gets up, and they travel the dusty roads to the place. And as they're going, Jesus is thinking, what a ride these past three years. He remembers about Peter when he first called him. 
about Peter was fishing. He said, Peter, come and follow me. And Peter just dropped everything and went and followed Jesus. He thought about how Peter is still rough around the edges, and at times his language resembles that more of a barnyard animal than somebody who's been with the Son of God for the past three years. But Jesus loves him nonetheless. Then there's Judas Iscariot. He has done a fantastic job managing the finances of this company for the past few years. And in just a few hours, Jesus knows that he'll betray him. But Jesus loves him nonetheless. As they get to the place where they're going to have Passover, Jesus goes up to the top of the stairs and the doors open. And there it is, the table. It's perfectly set ready to accept his disciples with all their shortcomings just as they are. Because the thing is, it, it doesn't matter what had happened in the past, and it didn't really matter what was going to be happening in their future. All that matters was that this is right where they belong, at the table with Jesus. Folks, God has a table prepared for all of us, and it is overflowing with acceptance and belonging. You know, unlike the lunchroom table of life, where we jockey for position and we don't know, we're worried about what this person might say, or if this group is going to accept us, or we, we don't even know if we're even in the right spot half the time. But God has a table, and He's got a place reserved just for you. He's called you by name, and he's put it there on that spot. And the beauty of that is that just like the disciples, it doesn't matter about your past, and it doesn't matter about what's going to happen tomorrow. The most important thing is that the reservation has been paid for, not by anything you've done, but by the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. All you must do is come to the table and take your place. There's some plates in front of you. If you will take a plate and put it in your hand. Now, a plate is ordinary. We use them every day. But if you think about it, a plate accepts anything that is put on top of it. You know, it doesn't matter if it's the finest cut of prime rib and that thing is grilled and seasoned to perfection and covered in just the right amount of Bordelais sauce or a burnt piece of chicken, the plate accepts it. Now put your plate down in front of you and let it remain there for the rest of the evening and think about this. Get in your mind all those times that you've sinned, that you've fallen short, that you've made mistakes and bad decisions and bring them all to the front of your mind. Now while this next song is going on, contemplate on the fact that in spite of all of that, God has prepared a place at his table for you and he's put your name on that place. Have you ever gotten in your car after a really long day, maybe by yourself or with your family and you thought to yourself, I am too tired to cook dinner tonight. I can't be bothered to prepare it, to make it, set it out, feed the family, clean it all up, and put it all away. You know what we're doing? We're going out to eat. 
If you're in my house, we do that more often than not. But when you show up to the restaurant, there's somebody there to greet you, and they say, how many will be eating with you tonight? Then they take you to the table, and they put menus in front of you, and then they give you your silverware that you'll need later in the evening, and then they ask you a question. They say, what will you be drinking tonight? What will you have to drink? Well, much like that, Jesus shows up to the table. And he sits around the table, a prepared table, with 12 of his closest friends. Now, I can imagine, similar to us in our home and family at a restaurant or maybe around your family or around your table at your house, that they had some incredible conversations. I'm sure they laughed a lot about all of the crazy things Peter had done along the journey. I'm sure they cried a little bit of all of the miracles that Jesus performed that they got to witness I'm sure that they talked about all kinds of things and laughed about all of them as they sat and ate and drank together. But then Jesus does this really crazy thing. Like if our kids were to do this today or if a grown-up were to do it, we would all go, okay, you are crazy. You know what Jesus did? He gets up out of his seat and he kneels on the ground And he begins to wash the disciples' feet. And to us, that sounds crazy. But Jesus said in Matthew, I have come to serve, not to be served. And often we come to moments like tonight, a Good Friday where we are remembering all that Christ did for us We often think about the cross and that it provides for us forgiveness. But the cross also models for us the incredible act of service. So he washes the disciples' feet in complete humility. And it causes me to think that sometimes we take the humanity out of Jesus. But do you know whose feet he was washing? Those that he knew would betray him. Have you ever had anybody say something about you that's totally untrue? Have you ever had somebody in your life that has turned their back on you, that you thought, they are my best friend, and yet they leave you? People that say things about you that aren't true, that lie about you, who leave you in moments that you need them most. And then have you ever thought about the fact that you are asked in all of that to serve them? Because Jesus felt the same emotions that me and you would feel. Yet he said, I have come to serve. Later, just a few verses later, Jesus is in the garden and he's praying. And he says this phrase, God, not if you would, but would you please let this cup pass from me? You see, because of the way we view Jesus and we know what he did for us, again, I think we take the humanity out of that moment. But I really think what Jesus was doing is he was begging the Father, please don't make me do this. Please don't make me suffer like this. Please don't make me go through this pain. So you know what it tells me? That service is sacrifice. The cross isn't just about forgiveness. The cross is the ultimate sacrifice for me and you.
and it models for us service. And we are asked to serve one another. See, we focus on what the the cross bought us and often forget what it taught us. And Jesus wanted to teach us something about serving one another. So tonight, I'm not going to ask you to get on your feet or get on your knees and wash your neighbor's feet tonight. But I am going to ask you to take a moment and pause to remember what that incredible act of sacrifice and service taught us. And if you would, you have been provided a small carafe of juice. And if you would, instead of pouring your own, would you pour your neighbor's tonight? And an act of obedience to Christ to say, I remember not just what you bought for me, not just the forgiveness of our sins, but the incredible sacrifice and how you taught us how to serve. You can pour now. Tonight, you are seated at a table. Some of you are sitting at a table full of family that you know very well. Others of you are sitting at a table with friends, and some of you might be sitting with people that you don't know well at all. But regardless, you're sitting tonight at a table. The night that we've been referencing, Jesus sat at a table as well. He sat with people that he knew very well and that also knew him. He sat with men that he had done life with. He had seen them in some of their greatest moments of life and had also been there for some of the lowest moments of life. They sat there, and I have to think that Jesus, as he's sitting there knowing what the next 24 hours of his life will hold, I have to wonder if he sat there and went around the room and just thought about memories. Maybe he looked at each disciple and remembered the time that he had individually called them to come and follow him. Maybe he looked, and he was thinking of a time that he walked up to a tax collector's booth, and he looked down at the man running the booth and said, leave everything behind and come follow me. And Matthew stood up. To follow Jesus. Maybe he was sitting there and he remembered the time he walked to the edge of the Sea of Galilee and called out to a man on a boat and said, drop your nets, leave everything and come and follow me. And Peter did just that. Oh, Peter, you got to know that Jesus had a soft spot for hot-headed, willing to do anything, Peter. But they're sitting there, and if it's anything like a family meal that you sat at, they sat there and they shared stories and they laughed together and they had some amazing moments of telling memories. I wonder if Jesus told the story of the time that he walked out on the water and scared the disciples half to death because they thought it was a ghost, but it was Jesus walking out to the boat. And then in a really proud moment, he told the part of that story where Peter had the, the courage and the faith to step out of the boat and walk with them. I wonder if he told the story of Lazarus. As he's sitting there with these guys, he told the time that he walked up to his friend Lazarus' tomb where he lay dead. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And out walked Lazarus. I wonder if he told the story of the time and even mocked and made fun of the disciples of telling the story that Jesus was asleep in the boat and they encountered a storm and they all thought that Jesus was going to let them die and he woke up and said, peace be still. I wonder if that was one of his favorites to tell. You've been there. We've all sat at these family meals. We've all been at the Thanksgiving table where the greatest moment of the entire meal might not be the turkey, but it's after you're done eating where you sit for another hour avoiding doing the dishes, telling some of your favorite stories. 
You're sitting there. It's the moment when you're sitting at the kids' table that the adults allow you to pull your chair up as close to their table as you can to listen to these unbelievable stories. It's amazing. But then Jesus took it a little more serious. He knew that the next 24 hours were going to be the hardest and worst 24 hours of his entire life. As he's sitting there, maybe he scanned the room as other conversations are taking place. And he just sat there quietly. Maybe he looked at Peter again. The man who had walked on water with Jesus. He had seen Jesus do the miraculous time and time again. And he himself had been a part of miracles taking place. Yet in just a few mere hours, Peter would deny having any relationship whatsoever with Jesus. Much less as close as and as an intimate of a relationship as they had. And the worst part, he wouldn't just deny Jesus one time. He would deny three times that he knew him at all. As Jesus continued to scan the room, maybe his eyes fell to Judas. You see, when they're sitting there having this meal, Judas had already gone and he had already met with the religious officials and had come to terms with what they would pay him. They had their agreed upon negotiation and Judas had already made the agreement that he would give Jesus over to them for them to ultimately lead Jesus to the cross. As Jesus is sitting there, I wonder if he had one of those, what could I have done different thoughts? I wonder if sitting across from Judas at the table, if Jesus thought, I wonder if I would have just done one or two things different in our relationship, if Judas wouldn't have found himself in this spot. Maybe some of us have had moments like that sitting at a table. Maybe you've sat at a table with someone and there's hurts that have been brought to the table. Maybe you're sitting at a table with someone that has brought anger to the table. There's lies maybe at your table. Sometimes the table, when you gather extended family together, let's not kid ourselves, sometimes brokenness is brought to the table. But I think Jesus did something that, that night that all of us can learn from, and that is that the most grace-filled thing that anyone can do is stay in relationship with someone that has the potential to hurt you. Jesus stayed in a relationship with men that could, that would, and that did hurt him. For you and I, sometimes the human instinct, our natural reaction is to push away from the table, to isolate ourselves from anyone that could potentially hurt us. But what if instead of our table being a place of hurts, what if instead of our table being a place of brokenness, of anger, of lies, of deceit, what if instead we tried to make it like the table that Jesus was at? What if the table, instead of being a place of hurts, was a place of forgiveness? What if instead of being a table of hurts, it was a place of peace? What if the table served as a place of reconciliation for you? I looked up the definition of reconciliation, and the best one I found said, bringing together again. It's the idea that there was something that was there and it was lost or broken, but now it is back together again. What if your table served as a place of reconciliation? What if your table served as a place of bringing together again? On your table in front of you is a loaf of bread. The night that Jesus was with his disciples, he used the bread to represent his body that would be broken on the cross for each and every one of them. He used that and he symbolized and he broke the bread as he talked to the disciples. And what I love most when I look around the room tonight is that every person in the room has a seat at the table. 
You see, because of Jesus and the sacrifice that he made on the cross and his body that was broken for each and every one of us, no matter the hurt, no matter the past, no matter the brokenness that we have encountered, because of what Jesus did, we always have a seat at the table of God. In just a moment, as the band leads us in another song, I want for each of us to tear a piece of that bread off and to place it on our plate. And as we do, I want us to thank, and maybe for some of us, we're praying and we're thanking God for some of the things that he has reconciled in our lives. But for others, maybe we spend this time and we think about the people that are in our lives that we need to invite back to our table. For some of us, maybe we need to spend this time and think about which tables do I need to pull back up to. Don't forget, the bread represents brokenness but the cross is coming well tonight we have heard about a table we've heard about a table that accepts us we've heard about a table that models for us service and we've heard about a table that provides reconciliation but the reality of good friday is that It's not really about a table. Good Friday is about a cross. And tonight, everything that we have described about this table is also a description of the cross. The cross provides acceptance. The cross models for us service. And the cross provides for reconciliation. And as I was thinking about this table idea, I was reminded that Jesus was the son of a carpenter. We've actually already heard that referenced earlier tonight, that he was the son of a carpenter. And and so I, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to imagine that as a child he spent some time playing in his father's shop. Maybe as a teenager he was around some of the wood that his father was working with. As he got older, maybe he was a part of some of the endeavors that his dad took to do with the wood. And then we find out that the end of his earthly life took place on a wooden cross. And I I love the idea that Jesus was 100% man, 100% God, uniquely blended together, as it's been described to me. The idea that the emotions that you and I feel, he felt. And yet he also had a picture of the story that the Father was orchestrating for all of humanity. And so he comes to a table with his closest followers. And he provides for them this meal. Sets a place for them to be accepted. Models service for them as a sacrifice. And he is able to accept them through this act of reconciliation. And then he goes to the cross and does the same thing. Because if you think about the conversations that he did have around the table, he was presenting to them theory. I mean, at this point at the table, his body being broken was a theory. His blood being shed was a theory. Until he went to the cross And his body was broken, and it became truth. And his blood was spilled, and it became truth. And so for you and I, on this side of the cross, looking back at those events, 
we have a greater understanding and appreciation for the meal that is set before us. I don't know that it would have been possible for the disciples to fully appreciate a broken body represented in bread and a shed blood represented in the cup. But you and I can because it's not theory to us. It's truth. And so tonight before you is a plate that says you have a place at the table of God. And on the plate that is sitting before you, it's not empty. It actually contains a piece of bread which says that he performed the ultimate act of sacrifice and service as he himself was blameless, sinless, and yet he was broken so that you and I could be saved. And then at your table is a cup filled with juice that shows us that we can be saved and we can be healed because he did what was necessary for us to be reconciled back to the Father. It's not a theory. It's truth. Your plate proves that Jesus accepts you. The bread proves that Jesus modeled service and sacrifice for you. And the cup proves that you can be forgiven and you can forgive others. So tonight we have the incredible privilege to take these elements into our hand and to do what Jesus commanded us, to take communion together around the table. I'm going to ask you to take the bread in your hand now and just hold it for a moment. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your head just for a moment. Close your eyes with no one looking around. This is the moment that if you're here tonight and you would say, you know what, I've never received the free gift of salvation that's available to me through the sacrifice of Jesus and the work of the cross. But tonight, I want to make sure that I'm right with God. I want to make sure that I receive forgiveness and I invite him to be the Lord of my life. If that's you, all you have to do is acknowledge that before God tonight. You can do it in your heart. You can do it in your mind. You can verbally say it out loud. You can whisper a prayer. And in that moment, God Almighty will forgive you from everything that you have done and everything that separates you from relationship with him. God, right now, I pray for every person in this room, from the youngest to the oldest, from those that have been walking with you in relationship for a long time to those that perhaps are still searching for you. And God, right now, if there's anyone in this room, before we take these elements together, that acknowledges their need for you to be the Lord and Savior of their life, God, I pray that they would do that and that there would be a moment between you and them that, God, they would acknowledge you, they would receive salvation, and, God, that they would allow you the lordship of their life. God, lead and guide and direct them from this moment forward and let their life never be the same. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Scripture tells us that he took the bread and he blessed it, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Tonight, let's take and eat together. The 
The Bible says, in like manner, he took the cup. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant. It's shed for the remission of sins. It's the covering of your sins. It's the price that was necessary for your sins. So tonight, as we take the cup, we receive this free gift of salvation, and we appreciate the sacrifice of the cross. Let's take and drink together. God, we thank you tonight for the table. We thank you that there is a place available to all of us at your table. God, we thank you for the model of sacrifice and servanthood that Jesus displayed for us around that table. And God, we thank you that the table provides for our forgiveness and reconciliation as possible. God, I thank you for the cross I thank you that the cross allows me to belong in the family of God and that the cross was the ultimate sacrifice and that the cross provides for me to be reconciled back to you. But God, I thank you that the cross was not the final word. I thank you, God, that even though we do reflect and remember as your word challenges us to do, that God, we don't stay on Friday because we know that Sunday is coming. And God, we will celebrate together in just a few short hours on Sunday morning the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so God, in this moment, I ask you to help us to spend these next few hours between now and Sunday morning reflecting and remembering and appreciating the sacrifice. But God, also allow our hopelessness to be filled with a longing for the hope that is available to us because of who you are and the power that you possess, the power that was demonstrated on that Sunday morning. So God, we thank you for Good Friday. We thank you for all it means to us. We thank you for the table and we thank you for the cross. But God, we thank you that that was not the end of the story and that there is hope available to us all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand with us as we sing one final song together? Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.com.